I think we're live. <laughs> Hi, Sophie. Oh, here we are. <laughs> Take four. Take four. Hi, Austin. How are you? I am on the edge of my seat. I don't know whether we're coming or going today. Um, how are starting you? Hard after, starting to record after five days of delays and having talked for 50 minutes already. This is who we are now. We live on the edge. You just never know what you're going to get. Um. <laughs> yeah, we're starting a new series this week. We're going to be going through all of Shakespeare's plays one by one. Yes. We're going to cover every single one of them or die trying. I am so excited. And um, you know that like meme of like um, Amy Poehler? <laughs> Austin's giving me a look. This week. <laughs> Austin's giving me a look. That um, like meme of like Amy Poehler in Mean Girls where she's like, I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. But that's going to be us about Shakespeare. Like we're not just regular Shakespeare fans. We're going to make it fun. Shakespeare <laughs> with a pair of sunglasses on. Yeah. We should. We should have done that. Well, we'll do that later. <laughs> We've got plenty of plays to try that on. <laughs> okay, so we are in the month of love now. We've already covered our um, Valentine's Day episode, the classic romance Twilight. So we figured what else to start off our Shakespeare series with and with Romeo and Juliet. Yes. It's the like... maybe greatest love story ever told. That's bold words, Austin. Considering... That's something I want to get into later. Considering the texts I received roasting my friend Romeo I am shocked <laughs> yeah so, I'm super excited <laughs> sorry we're too excited our other classic segment is talking over each other at the same time <laughs> yeah truly um so before we actually get into the play I just wanted to ask what is your history with the play like, what was the first time you read it and what did you think about it the first time okay I think technically the first time I read it would probably be like as a child, like my dad, um, he like reading was really important to both my parents. Like they would always read to me. And so my dad was really big into like Greek mythology and like Shakespeare and he would read them to me. Um, luckily he found a lot of like adaptations that made it simpler for children to understand because <laughs> there's lots of great content to kind of um, prep kids into classics and Shakespeare. Um, so I remember him reading like segments of that to me um, as a child, like obviously a simpler version that was understandable. So, you know, it's also like, I feel like a cheater's version. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love those. I love those versions because it's so true, right? Like, I mean, so many people complain about reading it because I feel like if you don't have a good English teacher, it can be a dreadful experience. Like, uh -huh. I'm not going to lie. I love his work. And like some plays, I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like if you don't have someone who's excited about it and loves it, like teaching you about it, it's not always easy to get into. Um, and I think that like, arguably, like this is one of his, well, like everyone knows this. It's referenced in like almost every corner of pop culture. That's probably is. His, most his most famous play. Right? Easily. Like, so I feel like this is a good place to start because, um, a lot of people have problems with Shakespeare. A lot of people don't like him. Um, and a lot of people really hate this play. Um, and so I think it was kind of fun for us to start uh, in this area because there's just a lot to talk about. Um, and yeah, so I think my first experience with it, either that or the 1996, I think Baz Luhrmann 
production <laughs> of it as a movie, amazing movie. That version of Disney Plus, getting they're going to watch it at some point. Oh my gosh, I like I have that soundtrack on vinyl. I love the Hawaiian shirts. Um, a young Leo DiCaprio. I'm not complaining. Baz Luhrmann, a phenomenal director, and I think like. I'm pretty sure, his, like, I know his spouse is a really famous costume designer, and I'm pretty sure she worked on this production with him as well. So, so many cool things. I was also really conflicted about that adaptation, because I'm not really a fan of, like, the MTV aesthetic. I love it. I don't know why I love it so much. Um, it's, like, so, like, grimy. And, like, I think we can talk about this later, but we're really lucky in that we live very close to, not the actual Stratford, um, but uh, a Stratford in Canada that is famous for putting on productions of Shakespeare's plays. And so like people come from all over the world to see it. Like, I mean, like great Canadian big deals have played um, in these like theaters. Um, Christopher Plummer, um, RIP, who recently passed, who was a phenomenal person. Um, William Shatner also was there. Don't know if you knew that. I don't know. (laughs) Fun but, fact, Kate's grandfather went to high school with William Shatner. Oh my gosh. Small word. Apparently he was super cocky all the time, which I can I see. I <laughs> see that. I don't know if anyone listening follows us on the bookstagram, but I received a book called um, How Librarians Swear, and one of my favorites was Holy Shatner. And I've been <laughs> saying that to myself on repeat, like all week. Um, so yeah. Anyway, Austin, <laughs> what was your first encounter with the play? So the first time I read it was in high school, uh-huh. which obviously is a high school's reading experience. But like, I didn't really like it at the time, and I haven't really read it since then. Mm-hmm. But now going back, it was a whole bunch of little things that I didn't pick up on the first time that I read it. And I, I liked it a lot more this time than the first time I read it. I loved reading it in high school. And like, everyone in my class like kind of hated it. But it was like so fun. I think that I had a real, again, a really great teacher who like broke down like all the cool things in the writing that I would not have known if I had just read it by myself. And so like hearing about like how this was like a really like strong diss for its time or like all the little jokes in it that like I wouldn't have understood um, without that help. Like I really enjoyed it. So I was happy there. Do you stick your thumb out at me? Yes, sir. I love that I bite my thumb. I think that's like oh, that's it. That's it. Bite yeah, I bite my thumb at you, sir. At me, sir. Yes. <laughs> so There's a lot of innuendo, especially in the first scene too. What was the one where? Oh yeah, I the heads of the maids or their maiden heads take yeah. it in, but since thou wilt. And then there was another part too, but I'm not going to spend the entire podcast <laughs> for points. I know there's so many good quotes in this one I mean like honestly like this is one of my like notes that I have when I read it I hadn't read it in a few years actually and like I read it a few times in my life like I know I read it in like grade six grade seven um like in high school during a class when we had to read it and then like once or twice in university and I like loved it and it was so weird to me because um I know a lot of people hate reading plays because it just feels weird and unnatural but I really liked it and just like the language that's used it like to me that is like the epitome of devotion and i know that's like easy to kind of like look down upon but like like as like kind of like oh like is it like love at first sight or lust at first sight but it's like it doesn't really matter to me what matters is the language being used like it just is like a frenzy like to me it's like that's what 
it is. You know what I mean? When you're trying to put stuff into words, like it's beautiful. Uh huh. I don't know. I wanted to point out some of the like some of the parts I found funny that I didn't pick up on the first time I read it. Yeah. So this is the, the one note I made a mention before. I was just clown can't read, which <laughs> I had to, I'm trying to remember what that was. But that was the part where Lord Capulet's telling the clown to go around with the invitations for the party. Oh. And he goes up to Romeo and Benvolio because he can't read the <laughs> invitations and asks Romeo if he can read it. And Romeo says some like quip or something. <laughs> And the clown assumes he can't read, and he can't read as well, and just walks away. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, no, back, back. I just want you to know that when you said that, like, you were like, yeah, clown can't read. I was like, this is exactly how I feel when I wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm like, oh, what a good idea. Like, I'm going to be a millionaire. And I write it down, and the next day, I'm like, what was I talking about? Yeah. The quote is, God get good in, I think. I pray, sir, can you read? And Romy says, I, my own fortune and misery. And then cl- the clown says, perhaps you have learned it without the book. But I pray, can you read anything else? And Romeo says, I, I, if I knew the language, if I knew the letters and the language. And the clown says, ye say honestly, rest you merry. And then he starts to walk away thinking, Romeo can't read either. Like, there's just so much sarcasm and just kind of like, like, jabs within it that like, I feel like people don't appreciate. Like, I feel like they water it down and they're like, oh, like, teens in love. It's so annoying. But I'm like, there's so much good stuff in here. Like, I don't know. The other really funny part was then was when Juliet sends her her nurse. nurse. Yeah. She the comes nurse. back. She's all, she's all out of breath and <laughs> really tall. I hate that part. I hate that. <laughs> it's like she's like, oh, like my shoulders, rub my shoulders. She's so like she's just milking it, and I know she's just doing it to tease her, but it like it it makes me feel so stressed. Like I'm like. I'm the kind of person that, like, if there's bad news or good news, like, I want to know right away. Just like, spit it out. She's like, if you have no breath, how do you have enough breath to tell me that you have no breath? <laughs> she's, like, she's so funny. And, like, her character is so endearing because I think she's, like, one of the earliest representations of, like, a parent who is not a biological parent. Like, this is someone who, like, took care of this child, like, nursed this child, like, constantly looks after her when her, like, parents are doing whatever, and she's, like, so annoying at times, but she's so funny. Like, and in the movie, she's, like, a riot. Like, she's so funny. Does she only have, like, two teeth, too, in the play or something? I don't know. I, I feel like we, like, need to, like, look more into this. I would love it if we, like, made, like, a comedy sketch show where, like, it's not about <laughs> Romeo and Julia. It's just about the nurse and Friar Lawrence. Like, they're both just, like, <laughs> That would be fun. Romeo and Julia stuff going on in the background. And it's just yeah. on the <laughs> Like, let's bring it back to the real stars of the play. Like, uh. So I should bring you to my next question, which was, what are your top three MVPs of the play? Like, not to be whatever, but it's definitely Romeo, Juliet, and the nurse. I think. I think those are, like, the three. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, Benvolio is funny and, like, you know, like, Mercutio, and they're great. Like, you know, Tybalt. My three along with the nurse. Really? Oh my god. Those guys are fine, but they're just like, to me, they feel like those friends in high school who always take it like a step too far. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're just like, like all over the place. They're like banging into people. They're causing like a thing in the hallway. I don't know. Um, Maybe I shouldn't have said earlier in the week that you and I are like Mercutio and Benvolio. No, I liked it because we are those two friends who cause a scene in the hallway. A very quiet one. I feel like anytime I think back, like, upon our years of friendship, like, in, in school, like, 
it's always like you and I like giving each other like side eye in the corner trying not to laugh like we're very quiet but we're also like we're having a good time um <laughs> like I remember one of my favorite moments is you presenting in school in a group <laughs> uh, I mean Austin and I took like almost every class together I felt like and like the one like we were always like in the same group if we can help it but the one time that we couldn't be and we were separated and you got put into this group with like all these like crazy ideas and I was like watching you from the back of the room while you were presenting to make eye contact you made eye contact with me once and you were like <laughs> you made like a funny face and then like you couldn't look at me again because I saw your shoulders move like you were gonna laugh <laughs> so funny it was so funny ah man the best times <laughs> I don't know <laughs> you are the Ben Volley to my Mercutio <laughs> beautiful thank you oh man oh, okay I'm looking at my other questions um this is a big one a lot of people hate on this because they feel that Romeo moves on too fast from Rosaline. Rosalind? Rosaline? I always forget her name. Um, do you believe in love at first sight? Do you think this is like a legit thing? Or do you bite your thumb at it, sir? <laughs> in the context of the play, I get why he moved on so fast because yes. on the stage they have two hours to get the story across and they can't really dawdle with that. Right. Really, if that's a, that's a heavy question, <laughs> I think it's possible. I I don't think I believe in love at first sight, and like you told me the first time you saw Michael Sarah wasn't love at first sight. <laughs> okay, that's different. That was not real life. There was a if there was a version of Romeo and Juliet starring Michael Sarah, how fast would you be buying tickets for it? I would be in line so fast; <laughs> it'd be ridiculous. Like, r ridiculous. Um, He's Canadian. Can you imagine him at the Stratford Festival playing I, Romeo? You're telling me. Yeah, that's like <laughs> my, my my factors. Like, must be Canadian. Must be tall. <laughs> must be Michael Sarah. <laughs> must be Michael Sarah. Or it's just close enough as Henry is. <laughs> <laughs> Henry is cuter than Michael Sarah. I'll put that on the record. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't believe in love at first sight. And... Like, the whole, like, unrequited love thing, I don't feel like it makes it more appealing. Like, I'm not kind of, like, feeling like I'm pining about it. Yes, I'm sad about it, but I'm, like, I am the kind of person that I would much rather, like, not see, like, a happy ending. Like, not, like, as a cop-out, but, like, even if they didn't, like, end up together, like, I, I would have liked them to just oh. be alive. Like, it didn't have to be, like... I was at the beginning, if this is maybe one of the best love stories ever told. Yeah. Do you think this is another one of my questions do you think this is a classic romance or more of like a cautionary tale against rushing into things too fast okay i think it was meant to be a cautionary tale i think it sparked like i i think we could tie this to like the whole twilight situation <laughs> i think it's come full circle austin i think that like we see this archetype so much in like like any like CW teen drama Riverdale-esque situation and it's because like when you're young you sometimes like people who your parents do not like obviously like this is a situation that everyone encounters and everyone feels bummed about it and they want to believe that 
it would be different if they ended up together or whatever. This um, whole play takes place in what less than a week, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I feel like the whole whirlwind aspect is nice. I think it does feel more dramatic because it's a play and it's not just a play. It's a tragedy, obviously. Um, yeah, I definitely see this not as a romance. It's definitely just strictly as a tragedy, personally. I think I would agree with you if it wasn't for, like, the language being used. Uh-huh. And, like, I think you might be right. I just think that, like, the way that, you know, he describes her or that they talk to each other is so beautiful that I get distracted. <laughs> And, like, I'm, like, yes, this is a tragic thing, but, like, look at, like, this, like, piece of poetry in the middle. Like, I, I can't help it. I'm just, like, I, I really like it. Um, uh-huh. And, yeah, I think, like, the whole thing of, like, I'm, I'm not in a bad way, but, like, I do know that, like, we're kind of obsessed with youth. Um, and, like, that phase of life is so, like, dramatic. Like, it it does make sense to set it there. Like, I don't think uh-huh. that's, like a bad thing I don't know yeah I I definitely find it more of a cautionary tale about the dangers of love at first sight and the dangers of being love in love as a youth and rushing into things too fast definitely mm-hmm. yeah I mean like I think so too I also feel like it's like a good well I don't know if a good but like it's like a relevant representation of like first loves like you always like well I don't know about you but like I remember like being in that phase of like oh my gosh like we're gonna be together forever like this is gonna be so good and like if anything goes wrong it's like a a catastrophe like when you're like 13 you're like yeah this is it (laughs) like it's gonna be great the first thing Romeo and Julia both do is jump to killing themselves with a dagger (laughs) and poor Friar Lawrence is like whoa 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 (laughs) slow your roll there Friar Lawrence is like that teacher who hands out a rubric and is like, just do this. And the students hand back like everything else. And he's just like, well, I gave you one job. Like I gave you one job. <laughs> I think he might be part of my top three MVPs. It's hard, hard to choose. He's so like, I, I really like him as well. I like that he's like, when Romeo was like having a full on meltdown, he was like, calm down. And then he was like, are you a man? And I was like, well, I don't want to reinforce any stereotypes of like what a man should be, but it was really funny the way he delivered it because I was like, yeah, Romeo, get up off the floor. <laughs> it's like, we're going to, we're going to go back to the drawing board. We're going to figure something out. Relax. This brings you to another point I had. Do you think the entire tragic plot was avoidable? I mean, here's my thing. I feel like he sat down and he was like, okay, going to write a tragedy how can we make this so bittersweet that it hurts? So I think uh-huh. he was setting it up in a way that like, and obviously I think this is like, correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is like set on like that real myth, like from Verona in Italy. And like mm. stuff like this does happen. It does happen all the time. Like love matches are very, very recent. Like usually marriages were not about that. Um, and like, I really liked that aspect of the the play because like I found Mr. Capulet like insufferable (laughs) like I really like I I thought he was so annoying because he's like that kind of person who's like oh you don't know what you're talking about you're just a girl and then he has a full-on meltdown like I'm like yeah are are you okay sir like like she does not seem to be the most dramatic one in the family or if she uh, need a baby in her already (laughs) (laughs) calm down and like again I know that's just like an us thing because people back then didn't realize that that was like way too young 
Um, but he just like really bothered me because it seemed like like he immediately shunned her as soon as she caused like the tiniest fuss. And I was like, okay, I know this is realistic, but also it it doesn't mean that it doesn't bother me. <laughs> like Probably more realistic than the time period that it was written too. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I just think it's one of those things where it's like people who tell like I mean, anyone, but, like, specifically, like, when, when girls are, like, talking about something that makes them mad or they, like, they start to cry or, like, they start to get loud and they're, like, calm down. But really, like, they're the person who's being, like, irrational. That really, like, just sets me off. I'm, like, don't, don't. <laughs> like, it just really bothered me. I had another point on that, but I forget what it was. What were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I went off on a tangent. Um. I think it was when we were talking about. Uh, I think oh, if, if the entire plot would be avoidable. Oh. With a no. bit more communication or a bit more understanding. I mean, like, if we separated the fact that the writer most likely went into this setting it up as a tragedy, like in real life, yeah, probably. Like, I think maybe because it's a play, everything is condensed. Like, I find it really interesting to see because people always like roast it for that because they're like oh you fell in love and got married in a week and I'm like well probably not but like going back to what you said earlier Austin like they have like two hours on stage like it's not like you uh, <laughs> like, like it's not a book where you can be like flash forward six months like it's different um so yeah I unavoidable yeah maybe in the real world but I think that would kind of defeat the purpose um, uh, that being said it is really hard to read like when it's like ships passing in the night and he just misses that communication and then she wakes up and he's just done. Like it really does suck. <laughs> like, but. So I have a hot take. Okay. As Romeo is an idiot. Blasting. A super idiot, but an idiot nonetheless. That's not, don't worry. That's not a hot take. Everyone agrees with you. I feel like I find him <laughs> idiotic at times too. Because I but find a lot of the problems of the play, a lot of the, like, the tension of the play is from him rushing into things too quickly. Like yeah. rushing in from being depressed about Rosalind into wanting to marry Juliet. And then yeah. not really thinking of the consequences of his actions. Like when he goes to, when he kills Tybalt and he gets exiled <laughs> and then he Tybalt. speaks to find Juliet dead and then he immediately kills himself instead of. I guess there's not really much else to do in that situation, but instead of taking a look back, like taking a step back and looking at other options. I think that's a classic case of like, there's so much going on that you you rush in the moment to do something. And it's like, like, it's like when, when you're trying to like brush your teeth and like put clothes on at the same time. And then all of a sudden you're trying to brush yeah, your hair yeah. and you accidentally, <laughs> you accidentally, yeah, that's it. You get exiled and then you accidentally <laughs> take some poison from an apothecary. Um. I think apothecary is one of my favorite words, so I will be trying to use that as much as I can in this podcast. Um, no. I remember in my but, bathroom when I was in high school, there was a little, like, thing of cream or something that said apothecary, uh -huh. and it always reminded me of it, but I always thought it was pronounced apothecary. Apothecary. <laughs> I love it. That's deluxe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to watch so I don't say it like that from now on. That's I couldn't pronounce Syracuse a couple weeks ago. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> new game take a shot whenever we mispronounce um a word <laughs> yeah I don't know I I agree with you I know it's all like kind of a rush and he is very dramatic I think that's 
like it's really annoying because logical me is like oh that's annoying and dumb but then like part of me is like but we love we love a bad boy I don't know in literature everyone loves a bad boy it just it's a thing I wouldn't really call him. A, I wouldn't call him a bad boy, though. I think more more of a mopey boy, more he of a got, sad boy. He got eggs oil. Eggs oil. Please cut that. Eggs oil. Eggs oil. Um, he got exiled, and then he like broke back in to see his wife. Yeah, he did. Kill, he did kill two people. So. But like Tybalt egged him on. Eggs oil. Eggs oil. Eggs oil. <laughs> I can't cut that now because it won't make any sense. Yes, you can. <laughs> I hate Tybalt. I think he's like such an annoying character. Um, and like, I think Romeo did try to do the right thing there. I don't know. And you're right. He is a sad boy. And maybe I like that. That's very like on brand. I'm he's about a bit it. Of, bit of gloomy lad. He is a gloomy lad. And I'm about it. I'm like supportive of it. I don't know. I actually like Tybalt. I like just how he's just angry all the time. Austin, what? <laughs> you know what I liked? One part I really liked is after Tybalt dies, it seems like him and the nurse were friends. <laughs> when the nurse is talking about how good of a person Tybalt was and how chivalrous and how noble he was. We're going to have to title like, this. Were these guys like besties before <laughs> Tybalt died? They're like going out and stuff. We're going to have to title this episode, like, Austin is Team Tybalt. Like, you always root for the villain. Like, I don't know what's going on. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <sighs> so I wanted to go back to the character of Paris. Okay. What is your opinion on him? I disliked Paul Rudd for a long time because he played Paris in the 1996 version. Kate and I were watching the trailer. We're like, is that Paul Rudd? (laughs) We just watched Ant-Man, which he's in. And it's like, oh, okay. And he's in Romeo plus Juliet. He pops up in the most like unexpected places. Like he must have a totally like, like his portfolio must be diverse because I find him in the most like, like just weird roles. Like, I don't know what he's doing there. I don't know. I think Paris is annoying. Um, so I, do, you, do you not like Paul Rudd because of Paris? Or do you not like Paris because he was played by Paul Rudd? I think I was prejudiced against Paul Rudd because he portrayed <laughs> Paris. And okay. now that I'm older, it's like I've made peace with that. And I've, you know, he's all right. <laughs> um, I just find Paris so annoying. He's just in the way. And it's like, that's the, the guy your parents want you to date, but you don't want to date that guy. You want to, you want to date the sad boy. And it's just, you know, I don't know. It's not his fault. I just find him really annoying. <laughs> I wish they, he had, like, it's hard to say, like, I would have written it this way for a play that was written 500 years ago. But yeah. I wish he would have been, like, more fleshed out and been more like a villainous presence for him to be killed in the end. Yeah. I mean, like, that's a really interesting point because in my mind, I was always like, he's just not even important enough. Like he's just another obstacle in the way of like this story. But now that you mention it, like he isn't really villainous. And that's kind of interesting to me because I feel like a lot of times when we talk about like modern, like stuff that portrays relationships, everyone is so sick of the love triangle where someone is obviously evil. Like it's... <laughs> I feel like it's much more complex to be like, Yes, this person is an obstacle, but it's not out of maliciousness. It's just there. Like, I feel like that's truer to life. And it's almost like 
more beautiful in a way because like no one is like completely good or bad. I mean, obviously there are exceptions to that. If like murderers or well, I mean, I guess, I don't know. You know what I mean? But there's just like so many different like motives and stuff. So it's almost like maybe more interesting to me that like he's not necessarily bad. I don't know. That's another thing about the plot points being avoidable. Do you think Romeo could have talked Paris out of not dying at the end of the play? Or you think it was just no. he sees Romeo goes up and that's just it for him? Yeah. I think that was like toxic masculinity at work, Austin. I was I was like reading it and I was like, of course. Like of course this is gonna like no one can have a calm discussion. Like both of them are just like stabby stab and <laughs> it just like escalated and I was like, like I'll stop you here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we went from a couple of a uh, couple of Romeos to a couple of Tibalts in thirty years. <laughs> now I'm just picturing us like like stabbing our essays into the submission <laughs> box. Like we're just working. Remember that that donut salesman that thought we were in first year? We were in third year. We were pretty close to stabbing him. <laughs> oh my God. Um, for the record, like no one sue us or charge us for a crime. That was... <laughs> We bit our thumbs at him, I'll tell you what. <laughs> that was so funny. Austin and I, okay, for some, like, context, Austin and I were walking through um, the concourse, which is just, like, a common area in our school, and we were so exhausted. Like, I feel like that was, like, midterm season. We had, like, had our hopes dashed, like, 18 times. Um, I was, like, I was done with life, pretty sure. Pretty sure we had so many assignments. I was just working and working. And we walked by this like donut salesman. And he's like, "Hey, first years, you want a donut?" <laughs> like something like that. And we were like, "We're not in first year. <laughs> Can't you see from our faces that our hopes have been crushed already? Like, don't, <laughs> don't assign us to my that." Bags have bags. You think first years have these bags? <laughs> we're, we're like, wow. Are, do we really have like resting nice face? Like, do you really think that we're like? <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> I lost our train of thought again, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, I think it was like going. Oh, okay. It was about Paris. What about you? Do you like Paris? I didn't find there was a lot of him to like or dislike, really. Yeah, yeah. But there's yeah because of the constraints of it being a play. There's really much time to flesh him out as much as other characters. Paris felt like I don't know if you've ever been in, in like a play. Um, have you? I have not. I was gonna say I feel like that's something I should know about you oh my god um <clears throat> when you've been in a friendship for six years and you don't know if the person has been in a play or not unless you count Fiddler on the Roof I do count it I'm a big no, fan <laughs> don't get my hopes up like that um but like you know in, in like plays like you go on set and like there's like you know like props and like they're real and then you see like a wishy-washy painted background and it's like the set is like the table and chairs but then like the wishy-washy background is just there Uh like I feel like that's Paris like he's just a painted on backdrop like he's just kind of thrown in and he's like this is what it should look like we don't care too much you're not the center of attention that's (laughs) That's your only purpose (laughs) something interesting about how in the play Mm -hmm. after Romeo kills Paris he drags him into Juliet's tomb and lets him like rest beside Juliet's body. Yeah. Which a lot of adaptations take out because it seems really confusing for Romeo to do that. I think that 
that's honorable. And I feel like that's another thing that people don't give him credit for. Like that's his wife, but he does understand that like this person probably had hopes and dreams of like marrying her as well. And like the whole thing is like, I don't think like either of them, like Romeo or Juliet were trying to be like disrespectful. I feel like they were trying to do the right thing and they thought like this would work out. Um, And even like Juliet, when she's sorry, I find it weird if you think like, how they think about it all metaphysically about how if he dies after Juliet, then they'll be together forever. Yeah. But Paris's body is also there. Would he just be third wheeling for the rest of eternity? Oh my God. This sucks. I didn't plan on this happening. <laughs> my body's Paris is like, yeah, I signed up for her. Not so much for you. Um, that's like, remember when everyone who had an iPhone automatically got that E2 album and like no one really wanted it. <laughs> Just like already downloaded it on the podcast. It's a relevant cultural touchstone. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's like an honorable thing to do. It, it does seem a bit like odd, I guess, if you look at it that way. But like, I think there is something to say for respect for that kind of thing. I don't know. Uh-huh. I just imagine like a lot of the imagery is just about Romeo and Juliet in death together lying on Juliet's deathbed yeah it's just weird to imagine Paris also lying there yeah that is a bit strange honestly but yeah, I, get, I get your point too about the honorable honor and death and stuff so yeah I mean maybe it's like I don't know if this is like a thing or not I mean if they are from Italy they might be Catholic and I know that there's a thing for us that says like like the person you are married to is the person you will end up with in heaven. So maybe he's just picturing like the two of them and like, he's also in the pearly gates, but like him being in the tomb is just more of a thing for their families to get like that closure. I don't know. Imagine like at the pearly gates, it's a roller coaster. <laughs> and then they get on the one roller coaster car and then Paris, Paris is behind. <laughs> and then like the picture of them going down is just like him in the back with his arms crossed. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. A play. Yes. Why haven't we written a play? We're clearly. To write a Romeo and Juliet epilogue. <laughs> yes, the epilogue. Oh my god, that's hilarious. The Adventures of the Nurse and Romeo and Juliet and Paris's Ghost. Oh my gosh, and then Friar Lawrence and like the nurse come, <laughs> and they have like their own sideshow. That's cooler. <laughs> the spinoff. <laughs> um, here's my question for you, Austin. Why do people hate it? I think a lot of the thing is the high school mentality. Mm-hmm. That people are forced to read it in high school and that kind of dampens their experiences with it. Yeah. And I, I just, think a lot of things... Sorry, you go. No, I was just going to say, it's so weird. Like, it feels like that's... Like, if I was someone who is like, here's the starter play. I mean, this is relatable. Like, all that stuff about, like... My, my favorite quote was, like... um not favorite quote, but like the, one of the concept was like mad blood stirring. And it's like talking about like the heat of the summer and how it makes people like do crazy things. And I vividly remember like my high, like English high school teacher looking at us and it was like September and it was like 35 degrees. And she's like, you all know what he's talking about. Like, this is a weird time. Like you're going to see tensions rising. People are going to be mad for no reason. And it was true. Sorry, continue. <laughs> I think it was like, People love doing stuff until they're asked to do it, yes. which I think is high school mentality thing because they can love reading the play, but as soon as they're asked to read it for marks, then they won't want to do it anymore. 
So true. And I also think another reason is just kind of like the cliche Shakespeare play, like the one play everyone can name and mm-hmm. everyone knows Romeo, Romeo, right there, Romeo, and yeah. yonder window. I forget the quote. That was a bad what example. What light, <laughs> yeah. light through yonder window breaks? It's been a long day. <laughs> I only remember that from A Sweet Life of Zach and Cody reproduction of Romeo and Juliet. So don't worry. Exactly. That's the thing. Like it's just so much ingrained in popular culture now that yeah people don't really care much about the original play like you have taylor swift singing a song about romeo and juliet and yes. which i said to you before i don't think taylor swift ever read the play <laughs> okay i have i have things to say about this because taylor swift just re- released i know this is like kind of boring maybe to some people but she's re-releasing her re-recordings of her earlier albums because her like studio basically took her master's and would not sell them back to her so she has no control over them which is sad they like, took her master's degree <laughs> <laughs> no the, the masters of the songs and <laughs> she is like re-recording it it's like a big deal in the music community because like i guess a lot of musicians are taken advantage of when they sign contracts at a young age I'm really interested in this um just as like a legal standpoint because like laws around like what owners can do with their stuff is crazy um, in the creative world. But she re-released um, Love Story, which is the song that Austin was referencing, um, which talks about like Romeo and it's like a young love story. And there's a big conspiracy theory because she re-released the cover. And now like instead of like in the original music video, she was in a big ball gown and like the like Romeo character was in like this like fancy Romeo shirt, like, you know, like the puffy sleeves, like Seinfeld with the pirate shirt. Uh. And um, in the new album cover, she's wearing the Romeo shirt. And everyone's like, it's because she is Romeo. She doesn't need anyone anymore. And everyone's like, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was great. That's what I Isn't Taylor Swift go through like an angry phase? Um, I think the reputation oh. era. Reputation. Okay, I was going to maybe that's her trying to be Tybalt. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor's Team Tybalt. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. My next question was, what was the last production you saw of Romeo and Juliet? Or did you see one? So I saw, there was a recent one from like 2017. Ooh. I'm not sure who directed it, but it's really nothing out of the ordinary. It's just like a standard, like set in the time period. Cool. Almost all the same dialogue. Yeah, that one wasn't too, too bad. Nice. I'm guessing yours was the Baz Luhrmann one. Yes, the last movie one I saw was Baz. Um, I also like the one from the '60s, but the last time I saw it as a like play, it. yeah, the '60s one is good. It's underrated. The last time I saw it as a play, Henry and I went to Stratford for our anniversary one year, and we had the worst trip we've ever had. <laughs> like it was just like it was raining. We took the train. The train was like two hours late. We finally got there. Henry fell asleep while we were watching it. And so did the man behind us who was snoring. Um, but I, I liked the play. It was all right. I've never seen a Shakespeare play live, and I really want to. Okay, we're going to Stratford as soon as this pandemic is over. I try to go like once a season because um, they have really good student deals where it's not too expensive. And it's like amazing. The theaters are really cool. The productions are always stellar. Never gone. I really want to, though. Well, we'll go. I'm sure Kate and Henry will love that. Mm. So, yeah, the one, the last one I saw was released in 2013. Ooh. It was directed by Carlo 
Carlay. I've never heard of him before. Oh, is that the one with um? There's someone who's like in Gossip Girl who was in that production, but I forget who. I have not seen Gossip Girl, so I would not know. I am shocked. That seems right up your alley. It stars <laughs> Douglas Booth, Haley Steinfeld, Damian Lewis, Cody Smith McPhee, Ed Eastwick. Eastwick. That's him. Westwick. Yeah. Yeah. I what is this? Eastwick. <laughs> I, I hope so. I did. Oh no. <laughs> Iconic either way. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll exoil that from <laughs> from the audio. <laughs> exoil the Eastwick. <laughs> Stellan Sarsgaard and Paul Giamatti. Oh. Yeah. That one, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't too, too bad. Like I said, nothing really out of the ordinary, but I guess the job done. Yeah, it's good. I think, like, the 60s version and the 90s version are still my favorites. Mm -hmm. I think I tried to watch the 2013 one as well, but I couldn't get into it for some reason. It's free on YouTube. That's how I found it. Oh, you'll have to give it a try after this. I wanted to ask, when you're just reading the play, not watching a production, do yeah. you imagine characters as certain actors who've played them? No, actually, which feels weird. Um, no. Do you? Not really, no. I used to when I was in high school. I'd try and put a face like film adaptations or something, but... Oh, yeah. I think... Now I just... Sorry. I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> My younger brother <laughs> downstairs um okay yeah my only other question is should this be a required reading still that's hard to say because that goes back to the thing of if you make people read it they won't enjoy it yes but then if you don't make like high school kids read it will they ever yeah not all high schoolers are like you and i and we like to read shakespeare for fun so it's hard to say i know I mean, like, I feel the same way. I feel like it's such a good, like, teaching tool. Like, maybe people don't recognize, like, how much, like, how much is there to explore. Like, there's so many things that, like, when it comes to, like, metaphor, like, like the iambic thing, you know what I mean? That flow that he has. I can never remember the second part of that. Um, but there's just so much to kind of, like, dissect and, like, go into there. Like, you get the history, you get the, like the literature everything about it it's a play like it really covers a lot of bases and so maybe people don't realize that but I do understand also that there's kind of like a conversation happening where we're like okay this is a very eurocentric piece of writing and like why are we not making space for more voices when it comes to like required stuff so I'm Mm -hmm. like maybe if we kind of like compromised and had like like you know Shakespeare two years and then like another playwright like another two and I don't know. Like, I just feel like I would be very sad if people didn't encounter his work at all. Um, just because there's so much there to kind of examine. Um, but I don't know. I see both sides of the coin, I guess. I do think it would be better as required reading for like a college university course as opposed to a high yeah. school course. I think he did a higher level of maturity to appreciate like, it. Take it seriously. Yeah, and appreciate it. Yeah. I would agree with that. I mean, like, I really lucked out. Like, my teachers were always very, like, enthusiastic about it. And, like, they would break down, like, all the insults, like, all the, like, scandalous parts for us. And they'd be like, look, it's actually really cool. And, like, this is what it does. But if you had, like, a teacher who was not invested, like, it would be very dry. Like, very, very Uh. dry. (laughs) I don't know. Oh. 
Oh, okay. I had some things, but I'll wait for concluding remarks to say it. Oh, that was my concluding question. So okay. I'm ready. Okay. I saw this joke on Reddit to, to sign off this week's episode. So exciting. What's the difference between COVID-19 and Romeo and Juliet? What? One's a coronavirus and one's a Verona crisis. Oh, my. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. That was good. That was good. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I wish that I had come up with a good joke now, too. That was a really good ending. That was a mic drop, Austin. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. That's all I have to say about this week. <laughs> Me, too. See you guys next week. For our next Shakespeare week, we'll be covering We Don't Know Yet. We'll decide that later. <laughs> I was like, I was on the edge of my seat because I didn't know what we were covering yet. I was like, tell me, Austin, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> Right. Okay. Bye, Sophia. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye.